listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. the one take podcast episode holy crap what are we even on episode six six episode seven it doesn't matter um <laughs> so we are joined by my friend your podcast host Derek full yeah uh, yeah Kaka, ladies and gentlemen Kaka. Derek is the host of a podcast Derek tell the people about your podcast please a movie podcast if you will for sure, yeah. Uh, in the same vein as this one, uh, you know, just three dudes talking about movies. But we—it's uh, called Stir the Plot. We uh, we take a movie that the majority of us have not seen before, and we watch the first sixty seconds of that movie and the last sixty seconds of that movie, and we make up what happens in between. So, uh, and so, then we—oh, go ahead. No, so, so what's one of the scenarios like that y'all have uh, come upon with that? Uh, so our first episode ever was Bird Box because we we came up with the idea like right around the release of Bird Box, and uh, we kind of turned it into this like Adam Sandler esque comedy uh, <laughs> of like these people like building birdhouses, like a like a birdhouse building contest, uh, and these poor children didn't have names and. Uh, I think at one point Medea was in there. It was, it was early 2019. Times were different. Hey, that sounds like a movie Netflix will eventually put out anyway. Fingers crossed. So we are also joined by Dex and Jake. Dex with uh, a microphone for the first time in our podcast history. We out uh, here. How's it feel Snowball to gang. <laughs> you, so like quick story behind that. You couldn't get like access to your computer to use a microphone. Yeah. I, this is like an old work laptop from a job I don't have anymore. So like there was admin back access on it that I didn't have, but I was able to dig out that email from like three years ago and now we're here. They really didn't want you to make this podcast. So we make more podcasts. I was just saying the 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 office really didn't want to make we didn't want you making this podcast. But we make more podcasts. But we make that's what we do. Okay, but we would continue to do it. I've misheard you. I'm going to cut that out. Jake, what <laughs> is going on with you? Nothing, man. Just living out here, watching movies, TV, drinking water, living, staying healthy, keeping keeping that skin looking nice. Yeah, got to stay hydrated. All right, so we're going to talk about, speaking of people that were absolutely well hydrated, we're going to talk about the Oscars really quick. Because um, we didn't, you know, we didn't get to talk about it on Monday like we wanted to because uh, I was tired. Dex may have had one or eight liquors in him watching, uh, watching the Oscars. And uh, mm -hmm. we were just live tweeting. So we live tweeted the Oscars. Some surprises. First of all, Derek, what do you think in total of uh, just what did you think of the show? Not necessarily the awards, because there's a discourse going on about the actual show. And I wanted to talk about that yeah. before we actually got into the awards. So, Derek, what do you think about this year's awards, the Oscars? Yeah, 
Um, so it also like, or it kind of started out on a sour note for me, uh, because Janelle Monae decided to sing a song, uh, about all of the movies that they just for sure snubbed this year. Um, which like, I love Janelle Monae and I know that she's just a conduit for the message, so I can't really shoot the messenger, but like just the blatant rubbing in our face that they didn't nominate Midsummer for anything or us or Dolomite. Like it's just kind of blatant and it's mm-hmm. like, okay, whatever. Um, but I mean, overall, I think the show does a lot better without a host. That's just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they were going to do a host, uh, I would love it to be either Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph or Chris Rock and Steve Martin. Those were the two uh, standout presenters in my opinion i will say about chris rock and still i liked when rock hosted by himself a few years ago but their jokes fell so flat to me in this in this year i don't know like it, they they whoa, weren't good whoa. they were not good especially steve martin Yo. steve martin was not good i could not disagree more they had me okay. dying I mean, I just, it just, I, I can't even remember what the jokes were now, but like, the, I just remember thinking is like, uh, these aren't great. I don't know. D- agree to disagree, but I, I didn't think they were great. Sure. I mean, I also think it's weird. The Oscar, cause I mean, they wrote like someone wrote those jokes for them, obviously. And it's like the Oscar is like poking fun at itself almost. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I feel about the Oscars trying to be like in on the joke or like in on the discourse. Well, yeah, because ultimately, and Jake, maybe you have more on that. Like ultimately they are the ones that vote for these or, you know, are supposed to watch these movies and and then vote on them. So them making fun of themselves and doing this whole thing and doing the whole bit at the beginning with Janelle Monae and, and, and all the, you know, movies that were snubbed, it's like, hey, assholes, these were also good movies. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you you retweeted an article that was like half of the people didn't watch the movies or something like that. Me? Yeah, I remember you, like, oh. you had, yeah, uh, sorry, yeah, you had tweeted something <laughs> like they had, the Academy just hadn't watched, like, blatantly not uh, watched the movies. Every, like, it's the weekend of the awards, um, Usually, like Hollywood Reporter or Vanity Fair, one of the major publications gets to talk anonymously to some of the voters, and the voters, like the anonymous voters, don't get to like say like this is how we all voted or anything. They're like they're not giving away secrets, but they are saying like this is how I voted and why I voted, and they were bananas. Like when I read those on, I think I read them on Thursday or Friday. Like I was just raging. Because one, I mean, the, the more popular one was the one that was, like, spreading on Twitter was uh, that superhero movies don't deserve it, uh, um, dumb shit like that. But the one that, like, made me go over the top was the anonymous female one that was saying that this is an American show, so only American directors need to win, which Oof. sucks Big to yikes. suck. Yeah. Sucks to suck. It would, uh, she said that like she hated Florence Pugh because she is nope. called Little Women, but she looked like a 30-year-old woman. And then in uh, parentheses, Hollywood Reporter had to say Florence Pugh is 24. So like to publish an article where you have to correct the voter is insane. <laughs> she was not supporting Florence Pugh. We do not endorse. We do not. 
but yeah, the reason I was just raging is because, granted, there's 8,000 voting members of the Academy, like, and it spans the whole industry, actors, producers, craftspeople, cinematographers, and whatnot. So you can't just assume everybody's watching everything, but it's really hard to believe that people are voting on films that are really going to be the mainstay of the industry for the next couple of years, being like, I didn't watch it. I don't care. Dex, what did you think of the awards overall? I mean, did you like the no hosts again for this year? I mean, did you like all the music? Like, you know, they played every single song. Like, I, you know, I don't... I, I didn't really mind that at all. I, I missed some of the musical numbers. I was like, okay, well, this is time to, like, make some food or something like that. I mean, that's kind of bad of me. But, like, what did you think about, like, kind of the format again this year? Yeah, I thought it was a better telecast than it has been in previous years, like recent years. Um, there were probably a couple too many musical performances. Like, we we didn't need Eminem to perform. Nobody <laughs> asked for that. Um, Good Lord. But, you know. Uh, I thought I think it's really important to do the best song nominees every year just so we can be familiar with them and it like kind of breaks it up we don't want to just watch like here's two random actors who present an award okay next award like you want to split it up with something right Mm -hmm. so uh, I thought you know Cynthia Revo Cynthia Revo was really good incredible Um, I didn't know she had pipes like that Billie Eilish was really good Um, you know I think there were like good moments here we could have done without like the elsa thing uh <laughs> we could have done without elton john he kind of phoned it in here but you know overall i think it was a good a good telecast and i thought the presenters were really funny like for the most part or funny enough i was drunk so we <laughs> we can talk about we can talk about the presenters because there are two in particular that I want to talk about just really quickly before we actually get into the actual awards because we've already spent 10 minutes on this and I didn't want to get into the discourse really of why the Oscars are down another year and yada 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 it, everybody has their own reasons for why why they think that the Oscars year over year are like falling they were up last year down this year whatever like no I'm here to scream and yell <laughs> and cry about the Oscars that's the only reason why I came on here yeah. Give he us... didn't even see the movie. He's just here for Oscars anger. Exactly. Yeah, I, I saw virtually none of the movies that were nominated. Didn't even I see Birds of Prey. at the Golden Globes, and I am pissed about the Oscars now. <laughs> oh, my God. Good Lord. Yeah, and you put something on Twitter that was pretty accurate, and it, it is just like you don't – like people don't like being preached at. I get that. But it's also like not your preaching. You know what I mean? Like you were saying, you were saying that, and I told you I wasn't going to get in the discourse, but like it, it, Let's do it. it, just to say, just to say like, oh, I loved Ricky Gervais. That's why, that's what people do. Like this needs to be at the Oscars. Okay. Well you love that, but it's just sort of the same stuff, but opposite of your agenda, I guess, especially at the Oscars. And everybody knows Hollywood is this liberal bubble, Yeah, but like. What else are you expecting? You've been we've been watching the Oscars for years, and I guess if that's what you want to say, like that's why the things are down, yada yada yada. I just don't, I just don't buy it. I think it's something. I just think it's something deeper than that. I don't know, Dex. I know you had some opinions on it. Yeah, I think it's just kind of whack how everyone's like, oh, like I don't like being preached at by like the Oscars. Just accept your award, blah blah blah, like the movies themselves are all pretty preachy. Like we live in a time of like 
people wanting to make statements and people wanting to, you know, kind of bring more things to light. I don't think we need to kind of brush that away just because, you know, people tell you you're wrong. It's okay for you to disagree with people who are famous. Like, it's fine. Just watch it. But I think part of the ratings being down is last year we had movies like, you know, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, things that people had seen, like, extremely widely. And it wasn't just concentrated. Like, this year, you know, the billion-dollar property was Joker, but most people who care about the Oscars hate the Joker. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we didn't have as many, like, billion-dollar properties here. So I think, you know, just kind of the way the movies broke down this year just wasn't going to be a very highly watched Oscars. Yeah, I mean, regardless of what you like, we all love Parasite, but regardless, it's still a movie that, you know, regardless of the box office records it has for foreign film, it's still only made like $35 million in the U.S. So it's just like, it it it, it, it is sort of interesting. Like they didn't, like I heard somebody say uh, on some show that I was listening to that, you know, they didn't do anything for Avengers Endgame. Not to say that they had to give it an award, but it made the most moot money ever on a movie and just like didn't incorporate it whatsoever which is kind of interesting so that they would make that choice so i mean i don't i that we can delve in for hours and hours about what people think about the oscars or if they're important or you know they're not but like kind of are but like the the discourse behind it is maddening on on twitter and that's probably why we all need to delete twitter anyway but uh the uh, Twitter's a cesspool. Ruining my mental health day over day, but here I am. Um, <laughs> eat at Arby's. Uh, the... <laughs> the... We just plug Nihilistic Arby's? Nihilistic Arby's. Great follow on Twitter for those of you who are uh, dying on the inside. The, um, the, the thing about the awards. Okay, so um, big things about the awards. Obviously, Parasite won. That was sort of a big shocker, but it wasn't, at the end of me, it wasn't a big shocker after Bong Joon-ho won for Best Director. I thought when he won Best Director, I was like, okay, well, they've won. Because, you know, at everything else, at every turn, including the Directors Guild, it was Sam Mendes. And so he becomes the first director since, I think, 2002 to not, to win this director's guild golden globe yada 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 and not win best director at the academy awards which it i'm okay that's fine like it's like you know like i think you could have given bong joon ho one of those awards down the line anyway so like what do we think about uh parasites night at the oscars i know everybody here is probably really happy about it derek what'd you what'd you think well first and foremost i want to say bong hive rise up um we're, Secondly, we're we're here with you. Uh, yeah, we're. I feel the spirits of every member of the Bong Hive uh, here with me in this room. I'm in. Um, I I was really excited about it. I uh, so I was at a viewing party and we did like a prediction sheet or whatever, and uh, I fully had uh, best picture down as 1917. I was like, I didn't personally love 1917. Uh, and if that makes me a bad film person, then, uh, that's the hill I'm willing to die on, I guess. Mm. Um, but, uh, what did you say? You're among friends here. Oh, okay. Whew. Um, but, 
but like once he started winning like best screenplay, best director, I was like, I think I need might need to change my answer. And like, and it was just really exciting because it's like that's the first time in a very long time that I've been like legitimately excited about um, a, a movie that I had seen and like that I really really enjoyed like getting that much recognition um, after Bong Joon Ho just absolutely. Uh, decimated the Oscars with his comments beforehand uh, talking about like how it was like a local, a local film festival and like not indicative of like the worldwide market. It was just, he he just talked so much shit and then (laughs) racked up all the, like pretty much all the major awards. Yeah. It just came on stage and just said, I'm going to get absolutely hammered tonight. Like (laughs) we have no choice, but to stand. I mean, I like I, I he it, gun to my head. I have no choice but to stand. Absolutely, Dex. What do you think about the uh, about Parasite's night? Obviously, you, I mean, we all love Parasite, but like, what did what did you think about it? I have never been so hyped watching any award show ever. That was the most satisfying win I've ever seen. I literally stood up in my house, screamed, "Let's go!" Like running around my living room, like I literally never been the hype for an award win ever. Um, I I predicted it like in our little like one take predictions or whatever, but all of my predictions were kind of like just you know being spicy, stirring up the pot. Um, you voted with your heart. I voted with my heart. I didn't actually think it would win. I just said that to be different, and then I was like, "Holy shit, <laughs> this is actually won." Uh, yeah, it's that'll go down in history for sure as like a major moment for a lot of people who care about these awards. And then obviously, like it's literal history, first foreign film to win. So, uh, yeah, man, could not be more happy for people that don't say that. And this is kind of the point that I wanted to make earlier for people that don't say that the Oscars. I mean, in the in the long run of life. Like we still got to wake up, go to work tomorrow, morning. The, the Oscars aren't necessarily important to me and you, but they are important to how we view films in the history of filmmaking. Because forever, we're going to be like, you know, Shakespeare in Love won over Saving Private Ryan. You know yeah. what I mean? And things like that. Like, that's how we talk about films. Is like It won five Academy Awards. It won... You know, three, Moonlight, you've won Best Picture. Like, we all say these things, and it's how these films are remarketed. It's how these directors are remarketed. These actors are remarketed. And it, it, it forever will follow them in in whatever film, film they make. And it also gives creators like Bong Joon-ho a little bit more leeway to make what he wants to make further down the line. Now, we've seen people win Oscars and just completely flame out, like, you know, not to throw him under the like Adrian Brody, like one for the pianist, and then just like he's in like you know a Cheech and Chong movie or something like that. Not, so, but like he hangs out with Wes Anderson. <laughs> yeah, so I mean he's around, but it's just like yeah, it, 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 how these Oscars and the fact that it was so historical that they won. It's how we talk about films and the history of film and how it will be in that museum that Tom Hanks got up there and announced. Yeah, so. It's gonna- you know, to say that we don't care about the Oscars is just kind of reckless because it's also just mm-hmm. like, it's also like you should because that's how these films 
forever will be marketed. The only reason, not the only reason, but part of the reason that you go see Tom Hanks or whoever, Leo, is because he was nominated like 18 times. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. For sure. yeah uh, so. Anyway, Jake, what did you think about Parasites Night? Sorry, I got off on my tangent, but I, that's the thought I was trying to get out earlier. No, I, I have something to tack on to your tangent, but I'll answer the Parasite first. Um, I was there for it. I, I like I I was with Dex. Like I treated this like I don't have a favorite NFL team. We can get in that later, but <laughs> it was like if I had a favorite NFL team and we won the Super Bowl. Like it was. I feel like I accomplished something and I didn't. I just watched the movie, but <laughs> yeah. like it it felt personal to me. I was like, holy shit! Finally, a movie I have deeply cared about. Like they did it. We we over. I felt like we overcame some massive hurdle, and we kind of did, but. It was a big thing for me. Um, yeah, it's the it's the one inch barrier of subtitles. Yeah, <laughs> we we had enough attention span to do it, guys. We did, <laughs> yeah, like we did it, and which seems to be a hot commodity nowadays with all the hot takes coming out about subtitles. Uh, my, it... my favorite part of it, is, though, is that um, like I think this is kind of a testament to like a grassroots sort of like marketing movement amongst fans because going into this it was like i think everybody was saying that it's basically down to 1917 and once upon a time and both of those films kind of didn't really walk away with the nights that were expected of them whereas parasite Mm -hmm. did and it wasn't really members of the academy it wasn't really members of the press that were talking about the film it was like people on twitter it was people telling their friends like just go fucking see it. go see parasite like it is the greatest thing and like the sort of like internal movement to get it recognized to get it important like i it was a kind of a win for the people in a weird way in a very weird way but it was i you know hand hand up i enjoyed 1970 we've had this conversation i enjoyed 1917 more upon first viewing than parasite but that's because parasite's so deep that you just have to like it's a different view like it's a different viewing experience than 1917 where 1917 is just this beautiful thing to look at the story's sort of surface level they got to get from one place to another place there's so many intertwining things with parasite that it like it's a hard for me it was a hard view upon you know first watch but i'm sure whenever i go back and rewatch it and i i wasn't mad that parasite won best picture i think it i obviously deserved to um when something has like a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes like you know it's just like okay well enough people are yeah in on this that i think it's a good film um and i think it deserved to win so i upon first view i love 19 i like 1917 more but probably when i go back and watch it we've had this conversation too, is that Parasite will definitely stand the test of time upon actual like rewatchability too. Whereas 1917 was like a theatrical experience. And we've, um, we talked about that, I think on our first podcast. And this is like a terrible comparison, but um, it's almost kind of like inception in a way. Like we are still talking about inception and like the ending into the totem fall and whatnot, and like all the different layers and like the subtleties Nolan put in. I think we're going to be talking about Parasite for the next decade, and like somebody's going to find something new or something. 
tweet that the rock was actually a fake and it was hollow because it floated in the water when the apartment got flooded. And like it changed the whole film for me just because of one tweet. So like I think we're going to be rewatching and rewatching and finding new things and like the little hints and the subtleties. Here's the thing. Somebody, some film student will be writing their dissertation on Parasite within. Oh, it's being like, written. Yeah, exactly. Within like the next next couple of years. Dex, what did you, you know? Uh, you know, coming to Joaquin and your girl Renee coming away with the best actor uh, awards. You have anything about that? I mean, obviously, we the best thing about Joker was Joaquin, but like, I mean, I think Derek likes the Joker, so we may have a we may have a little bit of a battle on our uphill uphill battle Hot on our hands. Five. So listen, boys, I've been living in a society for too long. I'm not going to take any Joker slander. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, this is what I'll we get. Like, this is what we get from inviting you on our show. We might get shot like Robert De Niro. Hey, you get what you fucking deserve, right? Oh, yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh my god, that was so dark. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Hashtag one take. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'll say about the acting awards that like we don't really know what like earns you an acting Oscar anymore. We just kind of right. like know it when we see it. And uh, for whatever reason, both of those narratives are really entrenched early on. Um, Renee Zellweger, everybody saw that movie at whatever festival premiered at, and they were like, okay, well, yeah, she won Best Actress. Cool, moving on. And throughout the year, we were all just kind of like, I mean, I don't really get why, but I guess she won Best Actress. Um, she won it at every award show before this. You know, she's been the front runner since the movie premiered, I guess, and we just had to kind of go with it. I would have. I thought other performances were better. Um, I thought Saoirse Ronan was better. I thought Scarlett Johansson was better. Uh, but hey, that's just how it goes sometimes. Joaquin Phoenix, similar thing. Uh, he's been getting that love since the movie came out, and he just never lost it. But I thought, you know, Leo had a better performance. Um, you know, but it's fine. Joaquin gets his first Oscar. Cool whatever is it fine you seem it's fine. not fine <laughs> it's not fine at all the uh, you don't sound like it's fine <laughs> tell I'm us sensing you, a tinge of sarcasm yeah tell us how you really feel the the thing about joaquin talk about why people don't like the oscars a lot anymore or at least you know middle america doesn't like the oscars anymore what have you Boy, wrap up your speech, man. I don't know <laughs> what that was about. Holy crap. That was like, that was just like, what are we doing here, dude? Like, and Zellweger too. It was just sort of like, sort of like, what, like, where are we going? Let's make a point here. Like, Matthew McConaughey's speech about how he's his own personal hero made more sense than whatever <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix was saying. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's like Renee, Renee Zellweger disappeared from Hollywood for like 15 years or something like that. And when she won an Oscar, she took every minute that she got that she was gone. And it's like, I'm going to remind you why I disappeared. Yeah, by the by the way. You know, it is crazy, though, because she's been in some weird projects where it's just like, you know, straight to DVD things or like limited way limited releases. And not that Judy was uh, Judy was also kind of like a limited re release, but for her to get like right back on that train immediately is kind of interesting to me. It's like, it's just like, Hey, I didn't go, I didn't go anywhere. Well, you kind of did. 
Um, of course, Laura Dern, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt wins his first acting Oscar, which has actually surprised the hell out of a bunch of people on Twitter. Um, anything we want to say about that? I thought those were locks for a long time as well, too. Nah, I mean, they both deserved it. Uh, definitely Brad deserved it. Laura Dern deserved it. I would have loved to see our girl Florence Pugh win. And, I mean, you and I both did the same tweet that we love her, but <laughs> support our girl. Same time. Uh, same time. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> there, There's nothing that I'm against about it. There's nothing that, like, I'm desperately for. I'm slowly coming around to Once Upon a Time to, like, I don't know. I might have just been brainwashed into it because I've listened to enough podcasts and read enough stories about Once Upon a Time that I'm like, actually, it might be a work of genius. Mm. But having seen Brad Pitt, like, I have watched the throwing the can of dog food into that girl's face so many times. Like, it's it's cathartic at work for me now. Um, so <laughs> I, I think he deserved it. Yeah, it is just nails her every time uh but no how he performed it it is wild that that is his first oscar or acting oscar um but no i i've got nothing against either of those so once upon a time in hollywood i think comes away with two oscars like like we were saying earlier it's a very divvied up and we don't have to go through all of the uh you know industry awards all the technical awards but very divvied up oscars 1917 wins three awards parasite of course wins four um Ford versus Ferrari comes away with actually two for the for film one for film editing and I think one for sound mixing. Um, one of the sounds. Yeah, sound. Uh, sound. Design. I, think was, I think it was sound. I think it was like sound. Uh, yeah, I think it was sound editing. Sound, Nobody yeah. knows the difference. Doesn't Nobody matter. knows the difference between sound mixing and sound editing. Um, Ford versus Ferrari actually won two of those awards because that's crazy because it seemed like everything kind of got its shine, like every single picture, including like Jojo Rabbit and uh, Bombshell even got, you know, for best makeup. So all those got their shine. I wanted to talk about this. Irishman, big yikes, didn't win anything with 10 nominations. Holy shit. Let me just say, good. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. Nothing. Didn't win. Do nothing. Got blanked. That's that's three and a half hours of my life. Yeah. I don't think I can ever get back. I uh, I don't, I don't want to be too mean to this movie. I mean, it's fine, but like, I was just like it. it like it was so hard to like keep focused on it that I found myself just like actively not watching it a couple times. I'm starting to form a conspiracy theory that Marty didn't really care about winning any awards about this. I think he just wrote this for himself. Like this was just a self-congratulation, a victory lap for him. Um, Cause all he, he's just being relentlessly roasted at all of these award shows for its length and it's winning nothing. Yeah. Like pat yourself on. I mean, it, it really is sort of self. It, it is sort of a self congratulatory um, piece of work. Like, like yes, it's good, but it's just like Marty. It was Martin Scorsese being like, being like, remember all those people that you used to love? Like, not to shit on Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and Joe Pesci, but it's just like, we're gonna make them young again. It's like nobody asked for this. Like nobody, well, we didn't ask. It's also a a, a subject matter that nobody in twenty nineteen slash twenty twenty gives a shit about. Um, but that's the like, point, man. I know, like, I know we're just trying to tell a story, but 
it, it, who cares? Yeah. Who I, honestly cares? Not at three. Wow, Jake, you just want all movies to be amusement park rides? I do. But yeah, like, small honestly, brain. Like, <laughs> who is sitting in 2019 really going like, can we just talk about Jimmy Hoffa for a second? Nobody. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's like. <laughs> Not a I second. Guarantee, Three I hours. There's a large popular. There's a large percentage of the population that learned that Jimmy Hoffa was a person because of this film, which credit where credit deserved because you know it was an important historical moment and might as well be educated through some sort of medium. But also, it's a subject matter nobody's relating with. It is such a long film. Nobody cares. There's no connection point to it. 17-year-old yeah. sitting around the lunch table going, like, guys, you know what we haven't talked about in a long time? The Teamsters Union. <laughs> the truck drivers yeah, there union. Was, there was like a split second watching that movie where I'm like, wait, is Jimmy Hoffa a real person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we only but, know Jimmy, and it's not, like maybe it's, yeah, we are dumb. Like, we should know the history, but it's just like, <laughs> but it's just like, the, what we know Jimmy Hoffa for now is being dead. They haven't, that they haven't ever found him. That's what we know Jimmy Hoffa for. And maybe that's because we're small brain, or at least me, I'm a small brain dum dum. But like the the fact that the fact that this is the subject matter in 2020, man, like we get it, but I don't know. It felt very self congratulatory. But people are gonna get mad online at us about dissing Martin Scorsese. Hey, the Swifties didn't come after us, so we're safe. You know, surprisingly, although we may get roasted over the coals for this bird, that they are very online, the birds of prey people. The flock, as we like to call them. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> All right, so while we're still in Oscars mode, we had a listener question about our favorite wins and our least favorite wins, so let's go ahead and do that. Royden, favorite win, least favorite win. Um, you know, favorite win, I, I love that I, – I, I got a couple, so bear with me. Uh, 1917, Roger Deakins, he absolutely deserved that. Bong Joon-ho for Parasite, the d- directing for Parasite. And um, I love jo- I love Taika winning for Jojo Rabbit. I think he's such a tremendous talent, um, even though, you know, I've yet to see Jojo Rabbit. Don't get mad at me. But, like, uh, for him winning for Jojo Rabbit was uh, spectacular because I think he's a tremendous uh, filmmaking talent. Jake? Uh, I mean, cop-out answer, favorite win is definitely Parasite. But outside of that, I agree with Royden. Uh, Taika getting his, I think, is huge. Um, I think he is a genius storyteller, and I think he has a lot of interesting perspectives on a lot of different things. So getting this boost um, is really going to allow, or is really going to open up a lot of doors for him. It's really going to allow him to kind of just continue telling those stories. So that's huge. Uh, least favorite winner? Um I mean, technically, is Joaquin, but that's more of a subject matter rather than an actor. Really, my least favorite, James Corden and Rebel Wilson oh. showing up as the cats. Good lord! I wanted to talk about that. <laughs> no, that I meant to talk about that minutes ago. So thank you for that. Nobody won. Nobody won watching that. Nobody. We won. all America lost. The the picture of them where it pans over. It's not when they're presenting it to him, but when it pans over and they're making their speech, <laughs> and it's like all four, and in the corner. There's just Rebel Wilson and James Corden in their cat suits looking at them in earnest, like as they're giving a speech for the biggest moment of their life is pure comedy. It is comedy gold that they're just sitting there. And for the rest of time, they have to be like, oh, these fucking idiots are just in my speech when they're showing this to like their grandchildren. Like, oh, 
I yeah, mean, it's not like, like anybody's sitting around and talking about. I don't even remember what award it was. Like sound mixing. It was or no, film no, it was, editing um, because or no, it was um, it visual was, effects. Yeah, visual effects. Visual thank effects. You. So nobody like I couldn't name. I couldn't even name who those guys were that won this year, let alone like the last ten years. But for the rest of the time, their award is now just going to be like covered up by the fact, like, hey, remember when they showed up as cats? Yeah, I don't know, Derek. What did, do, you, do you? I know you have something to say about that. Mm, boy. Do I? Um, it's like it kind of reminded me of like you know those pictures that like new moms take with like holding their baby in the hospital. It's kind of like that. It's like the most important moment of their life, and then dad's like passed out on the floor, like like potentially dead. It's just uh, comedy in its purest form. Uh, Cats is an abomination. I will go on record saying that, and I have gone on record saying that. Uh, but I like that. Uh, the two worst parts of that movie uh, were like the representatives for it. And they did so uh, they, they represented that movie exactly how I wanted them to, which is as a giant fucking joke. (laughs) (laughs) I will say I found the bit funny. Like I thought like, okay, the bits kind of funny, but to see them like have to be up there, those poor people have to be up there. Like after they just got roasted basically, was yeah. was really funny. My uh, my favorite part of it was them hitting the microphone back and forth. Like after a little bit, it literally like I started dying laughing because I was just like, "What am I watching?" And watching this like proceed this prestigious event is just being ruined by two toddlers. Well, I mean, I don't even know if that was planned because like I guess whoever was controlling the mic height like kept on trying to lower it to get him to stop or something. <laughs> I mean, at least we forget one time Ben Stiller literally came out in full avatar makeup. Like, this isn't. Yeah, yeah this Wait, award what? show. You don't remember that? Not no, at all. I, no. Yeah, he came. That, a, that sounds like a fever dream that you yeah, had. Nope. <laughs> Go look online. I promise you. I'll actually post it on our Twitter later. Um, he came out to present best makeup. And instead of doing something like, I think one of the awards was like a boxing movie or something. He said, instead of doing that. He uh, he had like a full avatar face paint and tail, like I'm not kidding. So go look that up. Like, it's a it's a weird sleep paralysis demon. 2011 Oscars. 2011 Oscars. It's like 2010 or 2011, one of those. Yeah, go look that up. That's a it's a that will be your nightmare from here on out. Uh, All right, Griffin back. Derek, favorite win, least favorite win. Okay, uh, favorite win. Uh, I mean, Parasite, obviously, but like more specifically, Bong Joon Ho as director for Parasite and his speech. Um, just him taking the moment to like thank the people that inspired him. Uh, I teared up. I almost started crying because it's like that's just an, a very important moment for him to be able to be like I studied Martin Scorsese films in film school. And Quentin Tarantino has always championed my work. And uh, Sam Mendes and Todd Phillips, he is under the impression that they also make films. Um, (laughs) But uh, no, it's just I thought that was a really cool speech for him to get to make. And uh, I I just think that it was like all of their wins were so well deserved. Uh, My least favorite win. I mean, I guess Laura Dern. Like, mostly because I was not, like, super impressed with her performance in Marriage Story. But, I mean, like, that's, like, a very tentative, like, it's the worst because I literally can't think of anything that I'm, like, upset about. 
Yeah, I mean they're mostly mostly pretty fair. I feel like all of these all of these to be honest, like it's the, like the, the right things pretty much won. I think I didn't say my least favorite, but I think it's Joaquin. But I mean that's just for my overall feelings about that movie. We all know we did a pod. Yeah, um, I'd say my favorite win, like everybody, was Parasite winning Best Picture. Uh, I also like the Little Women got an award. Uh, I think it was for costume design. Uh, shout out to Little Women, deserved to win an Oscar. Um, but my least favorite was definitely Elton John winning for Best Song because I saw Rocket Man in the theaters twice and I had no idea that song existed. So I was like just stunned that it won over into the unknown which is a slapper i didn't know i didn't know that that was a um original song i thought that was like yeah i thought that was like uh for like an old elton john banger like you know like i thought one in the vault yeah i thought they just brought that one back out i didn't know that was original song i don't know i like elton i liked rocket man i like elton john i'm not torn up about that but Cynthia Revo, yeah. I will say, I mentioned that, like, I didn't know she had pipes like that. It was sheep, man. I don't know. She, she killed it on that performance. Yeah. She, uh, the first time I heard of her was, I think she came from Broadway or like the West End. And, uh, she came to Broadway and she did a production of the color purple. Yep. And, uh, they performed at the Tonys that year whenever she was on and just absolutely melted my face off. So it's like, I've been new that Cynthia Erivo <laughs> had the, had the, had the range, but like, this was like, this was something special. Like she blew me away. Like it was, I think it was the best, like original song performance. If we're going uh, best, ori- uh, uh, favorite original song performance and least favorite original song performance, uh, least favorite was definitely Into the Unknown. Idina, sweetheart, please write a song that you can sing live. Adela Manzin. Adele Dazim. Adele Dazim. Adele Dazim. Yeah. Fantastic for Count Olaf. Not Count Olaf. Bragging <laughs> <laughs> him. Count Olaf is a different person. A lot of Olaf's going on in film. Oh, man. Good Lord. All right. We're already off the rails 41 minutes in. Do we have any more uh, listener questions? Or are we going to do those at the end? We'll do the rest at the end. Okay. So we're going to get into Birds of Prey finally. Uh, if you have any Oscars things that you want to vent to us about, feel free to hit us up. I'm sure we'll not respond. But like the. Uh, so now we are doing a movie that is currently in theaters. All those are actually probably going to be re- re-released as we say this. But currently in theaters, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, otherwise rebranded as Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, which, holy shit, that should have been done in the first place. Yeah. I, okay. I like I love the original title. I think it perfectly matches the tone of the movie mm-hmm. but it's just like i mean i get rebranding it as a harley quinn movie because i mean at its core that's what it is let's be clear i mean i mean they still have the original title on the first in the opening sequence oh, they right, right right yeah they haven't i'm not saying that but they they have changed they have for marketing purposes on all of their stuff gone back and been like okay this is a harley quinn movie which it is like this is barely a Birds of Prey movie, and we'll talk about that. 
So it's also fairly a Harley Quinn movie. Interesting take. Uh, all right, let me read the synopsis. After splitting up with the Joker, Harley Quinn joins superheroes Black Canary, Huntress, and Renee Montoya to save a young girl from an evil crime lord. I love that. Black Canary, Huntress, and Renee Montoya. <laughs> to save a young girl from an evil crime lord. Of course, the stars Margot Robbie, Rosie Perez, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, Journey Smollett-Bell, and Ewan McGregor, and Ella J. Basco as Cassandra Kane. Um, this has... Okay, so let's get this out of the way. This has made its budget back already. It's the number one ranking film in the world right now, currently. It is an $84 million budget, which for a movie that looks as good as this does, not a lot. And it's already made its budget back plus some, but usually with these movies, you have to do the budget times two for marketing of what they really need to make back. So it hasn't made that money yet, and it's not approaching even where close to Wonder Woman or... Uh, Aquaman, yeah, Captain Marvel, or it's not even really approaching um, Shazam numbers yet, which is kind of disappointing. So, you know, I guess we can talk about that in the wrap up to this. What did we think about this movie overall? And do you have a thought on why it's maybe not doing good, doing well at the box office? And it's going to be tough for four dudes in their 20s to talk about this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But here we go. Let's give it a shot. Just kill it. Uh, I loved it. I'm here for it. Um, I'm questioning the story or what story there was, the elements. Um, but I enjoyed it. I know it's kind of my go-to answer lately just because 2020 has just been full of a lot of fun films. But this is a fun film. It's not going to win anything, and it's not going to change anybody's lives yet. But it's a lot of fun. Like It is just a good fun rated r movie um why it's doing bad i think it's just it's coming off the coattails of justice league and suicide squad like the dcu is trash and ignoring like watchmen or other dc sort of um the boys i think is in there maybe not incredible i could be wrong um like we're they have great IPs, but like their cinematic universe is trash. And so to, I think like the general viewing audience, like the first time I saw the trailer, I was like, Oh, it's just going to be a sequel of suicide squad all about Harley Quinn. It's going to have the same feel. It's going to have the same terrible jokes. Like I'm, it's going to suck. And so the viewing audience is going to go in there going like, this is going to be trash. And the fact that people are pleasantly surprised is probably going to give it a little bit of traction as it leaves theaters in the next couple of weeks. But what would you give it overall, like, if you had to give it a letter grade? Because then we'll eventually get into spoilers here in a little bit. Mm, B. Strong B. Not a B plus, but just, like, a, a strong 85. Derek, I know you're chomping at the bit, because I think me and Dex kind of have similar opinions, so we'll just back go back to back. Yeah, uh, I, I, really, I really, really liked this movie. Um, uh, just to kind of tack on to what... Jake said, like, yes, the DCEU is uh, hot, poo-poo, stinky garbage. Um, but, I mean, they've had some shining moments uh, throughout, like Wonder Woman, and I also really enjoyed Shazam. And, I mean, Aquaman had some fun things to it. Um, but uh, I think this is, like, a standout movie. And I say that 
with the knowledge that the DCU is not that great. Um, but I mean, I think Margot Robbie is at her best as Harley Quinn here. Um, I really loved uh, Ewan McGregor and uh, the guy that uh, Vic Mancina, I think is the guy that played Victor Zaz. Uh, uh, sure. Chris, uh, yeah. Chris Mancina. Chris Mancina. Um, I really enjoyed them. Uh, they were dynamic together. Um, Wild and... character choice by Chris Mancina. I could not yeah. get a handle on where he was going with any in any direction. He, Dude, he and uh, McGregor were about to kiss, and it was going to be great. I'm upset they never let it happen. Yeah, there was so much tension, and like, it's like you could tell that they wanted to, but then they're like, <laughs> it was the greatest love story ever told, uh, modern day Romeo and Juliet. Um, but uh, yeah, Victor Zaz is my fashion icon from now on. Um, yeah, great style. Fitzbo. Uh, yeah. But, uh, I mean, just overall, I really enjoyed it. I had a fun time. The fight scenes are great. Um, I think I, there's not really a, I mean, I guess Cassandra Kane's a weak performance, but I mean, or, uh, yeah, Cassandra Kane. uh, overall, I liked it. I, I enjoyed it. I would go see it again for sure. What would you, if you had to give it a letter grade, shoot. A strong B, like the uh, same as, yeah. All right, Dex, let it fly. Yeah, I'm not as high on the movie as y'all are. Um, I saw it with my little brother. He's, you know, in high school, and we both are just kind of sitting there like, eh, like, I get it. I appreciate it. It was really pretty to look at. It's, like, one of those, like, classic comic book movies that you just kind of shut your brain off and just, like, watch shit happen and just, like, kind of accept it, uh, which I think is ironic because... If it was a movie about men, women would like say that as a critique. But you know, since it's you know a female-driven movie, I think women are more accepting of how stupid it is. Um, but yeah, like the the narration didn't really work for me. Um, there were a lot of like things they were doing. Like you could very like clearly see the wheels turning to like set up some of the shots and stuff that they did. Like when she's in the police station and she's like banging around on like the control system to and then it like starts sprinkling inside there you're like okay yeah they set up this shot they're gonna do like this cool like rain scene or whatever it's like i could see all that stuff as it was happening and it just kind of i don't know it didn't work for me uh but there were parts of it that were cool the action was the action scenes were cool uh margot robbie's great and everything that i've ever seen her in um but yeah, I wasn't as high as I know y'all were, and I gave it like a C plus. That's kind of where I'm at as well. I put on Twitter today. It, the action scenes were great. It was colorful, uh, especially in the in the police station. Regardless of you know how telegraphed it may have looked, but it's just like when she's shooting those people. I had a good time. I laughed out loud a couple times when she was shooting those people with like with those bean bags and stuff like that, and it was all colorful and like exploding confetti. Actually, really good use of slow motion in this like you don't see that that often where it's like not just window dressing it was actually pretty good use like they didn't overdo it but they did it just enough i felt in this it felt like it almost wanted like or it could have been a 3d movie like in 2009 this would have been a 3d movie oh for sure yeah Yeah. so like this would have been a 3d movie margot robbie's so game for this character like she she really is like going for it 
with this character and she does a good, really good job and her portrayal is really sort of interesting and it's I think it's different maybe and I'm not a big you know Harley Quinn into the comic books or anything like that but she's you know it's a kind of a different portrayal and uh one that she's sort of honed over the course of two movies now Ewan McGregor I wasn't feeling it I something and maybe it was he was underwritten a little bit like he didn't get the best lines he was certainly doing stuff um he was your boy was wilding yeah he was certainly going for it and did he land for me most of the time yeah you know like I think he was just really just sort of for me I feel like he was underwritten I feel like his and we were talking about um Chris Mencia's Victor what, what what's his last name Zaz. Zaz. Great, great name. Uh, Victor Zaz, he was so just even more out there. Like, I couldn't get a grip on his character. Maybe that was the point because it was just like, at one point he, like, is going nuts and, like, licks Harley Quinn's face. And, like, and then another time he's just, like, whispering and stuff. I was like, all right, is this the point of this character or does this guy not know where he's going with this? Because it felt (laughs) like that. I don't know. I ended up giving it, I felt it was kind of short on story. Um, the dialogue wasn't the best, but the action scenes sort of make up for it. Margot Robbie's performance really make up for it. I really liked Journey Smollett-Bell. I thought she was great um, as Black Canary. And uh, also Mary Elizabeth Wanstead, criminally um, under underwritten in this movie. She, uh, we can, we can talk about that here in spoilers, but she, uh, yeah, she was criminally void of lines in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I ended up, I give it like a C plus plus, like a, like 79.5 and Derek, you were mad online at me about <laughs> that. So, I mean, we're, we'll, we'll have it out here in spoilers. So if you're listening right now and you don't want birds of prey spoiled for you, I mean, you're not, we're not really going to spoil anything that much, but like if you're, if you don't want birds of prey spoiled for you, skip ahead. Uh, we will put a timestamp in the description below. So skip ahead, right? Meow. Meow. All right. So, um, this was a Harley Quinn movie, not a birds of prey movie. And I yeah. feel like that was to the detriment of the marketing and to the detriment of the title and to the detriment of the movie. Um, not that I wanted a Birds of Prey movie necessarily because I'm not really like deep in that lore anyway. Mm-hmm. But for it to not like just barely include them and for them, and I get it, they maybe tried to want to start like an origin story. But it just didn't feel like that up until the very end. You know what I mean? And maybe, and that's all origin stories, whatever. But like, I don't know. It felt felt like they wanted to make a birds, uh, like a strictly like birds of prey movie with just like Black Canary, Renee Montoya and um, Huntress. Uh, But they knew that birds of prey wasn't really like well known enough outside of like the comics for people to give a shit about it. And so they're like, well, the best way, that, the best thing that we can do to make people give a shit about this group is to add a well-known, well-loved character in it, and that's Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, and she needed a redemption moment after Suicide Squad, especially uh, if they wanted to keep the producers wanted to keep Margot Robbie on board for the for DC. If we're being honest, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, and 
um and i think like they also just wanted to make a harley quinn movie but they couldn't like justify the means and so they're like okay well we'll just give her this and like basically have her be the catalyst for the birds of prey starting exactly I think the one thing that we are forgetting here is Margot Robbie produced this. Like she was the driving force to make sure this happened. Um, she tabbed the writer. She tra- tabs Kathy Ann, who has really no credits to her name. I think on IMDb she has five credits. So mm-hmm. Margot Robbie was a huge driving force in making sure this gets made. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, credit. I mean, credit to Kathy Ann for not really. You're right. Not really. A lot of TV series, some some shorts and things like that, uh, a documentary. But credit to her for just um, coming out and uh, really putting together a really good featured film debut. Like you couldn't really ask for for somebody that's never directed a feature to come out and mm-hmm. d- give this and for all the set pieces and things that were in this movie. Hell of a job. I, I think it was short. The, where it falls short is not necessarily d- the direction. Um, where it falls short is sort of the script writing. And you're right, Derek. They were like, you know, people have all of a sudden come around on this Harley Quinn thing. For the longest time, she was a tertiary character. And don't let anybody tell you any different because DC stands will come in your mentions and tell you, no, she she's like supposed to be right up there with like Joker and Batman and everything. <laughs> no, she's not. No, she's not. No. <laughs> She's not. She she was created like as a love interest for the Joker. It's mm. like she was never supposed to be like a contending force with Batman. Like right. And this character has only literally been around since we've been born. Like it's only literally been around since like 1996. So in the history of Batman and all of this stuff, this thing is really or not this thing. She is really young for like a for like a comic book character so i think that has to also play into a little bit of like yes people have come around and margot robbie is this marketable huge star and people love her people love her obviously love her portrayal of this but it's also like for normal like just run-of-the-mill comic book fans if they don't if dceu doesn't have this backing like marvel does where we've over the course of 25 films you've come to trust us then you kind of run into this problem where it's just like it's not as marketable as you thought it was and i know we're talking about the marketability of the film but like i don't know that's what i kind of think about what i kind of think about this all together yeah i'd say harley quinn is not she's not a character that can carry a like a major franchise on her own i mean she's literally you know the love interest to the villain of you know, actually, you know, marketable IP. Like she's not, she's not a character that you would just put her name on the movie and suddenly it becomes like a billion dollar, you know, property or whatever. She's, you know, she's really a side character. Um, And I think that kind of plays to the detriment of this movie just because like, there's no real reason for Birds of Prey to exist, like Mm. within the DCU as it does now. Like you have, I guess you have the Suicide Squad, and like they're, I guess they're having a sequel. I don't know. A reboot, uh, like and, just a literal hard reboot. Like the first one yeah, never it's exists. Like, it's like a sequel. Like it's a sequel, but it's also a reboot. Like it's the weirdest thing. Yeah, and yeah, that's in the hands really of. Have, Go ahead. You don't really have like an established Batman. You don't really have like any villains you care about. Like there's no, 
there's no reason for the Birds of Prey to be there other than, I guess, to make this specific movie. But, like, if we never see Huntress again, it's like, okay, whatever. It and doesn't it, matter. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about that because the why I told spoilers and I want to get to it. Mary Elizabeth Weinstead comes in. I mean, she's in the movie kind of early. And I love Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, but she is just like, she has like maybe 10 lines in this whole thing, it feels like. Yeah, she's really not, I guess she's kind of important to what little plot there is here. The plot is really, really fucking flimsy. It's like, kid has diamond, diamond is valuable, everyone's after the kid, like, right. it's dumb. Um, and I guess she's like crucial to it and she has like a plot twist in there kind of, I guess, where, you know, she's the daughter of the family who originally owned the diamond, but like nobody cares, man. (laughs) We didn't, there was a lot of exposition in this movie, especially told out of order, which I didn't necessarily need either, which I was sitting there going like, we don't have to really, I mean, I guess if you want to fit all these characters backstories in, there's no reason not to like, like you can do it. But we, there were so many flashbacks and exposition being like, and, and Margot Robbie going like, oh, this is what, and maybe sort of makes her an unreliable narrator, like literally, but it's just like, oh, I didn't tell that right. Like, uh, you know, like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, uh, I, I didn't like, how they went through up until the point where she breaks into Gotham PD and then goes back to like fill in a bunch of spots and then goes back to Gotham PD. I'm like, if you wanted to do a flashback or whatever, just start the movie of her breaking into the police station Mm -hmm. and then go back and then like work your way back up. Don't go back and forth. Like don't flip flop like that. Like as like, I paid it, I paid really uh, like good attention to this movie and that confused me. I was like, wait, what? Like what's going on? Like, yeah, I, I wrote that down. Like, I was actually watched this movie because I knew we were going to review. Like, I took notes, like, on my phone. Like, yes, I'm that guy, but it was, like, at 1 o'clock on a Thursday. Nobody was in my theater. But it was just, like, so I took, like, I took some notes, and it's just, like, I didn't, like, in the whole Diamonds Are a Girl, you know, skipping around, if they're going to, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend thing was weird. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, like, when, like, he hits her, and then she has this weird sort of, and I guess it was supposed to be, like, how crazy, like, Harley Quinn actually is, but it just came off like, it was like, what? That uh, was a cool sequence, and I wish it would have gotten a more clear moment, rather than, like, oh, it's a weird sort of, like, hallucinate, like, you know, hallucination that she has, because she has head trauma. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I wish it would have had, like, a bigger moment, rather than just, like, a kind of throwaway, like, oh, she's having a dream. Like, if you're going to make Harley Quinn an unreliable narrator, like, make her, like, a batshit unreliable narrator. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel I like she that... was crazy enough. Yeah, go ahead, Jay. I mean... I mean, I think that scene was a slight homage to the uh, animated series, because I think we're introduced to the Birds of Prey in a club in a sing-song form like i think they perform uh, an introductory sultry sort of song so that i i took that as like it was a sort of an homage but i agree it's very out of place and that was a huge criticism i had for this film is that it wanted to be its own thing it couldn't be its own thing because there's not enough there and so it started just going hey you know this from the comic books from the animated series and like it kept on introducing stuff even to the point where it paid homage to, and I don't remember the actress's name, but she was the original voice of Harley Quinn, 
um, she shows up in the film on a TV screen wearing her Joker outfit from uh, Days of Our Lives. Yeah, Days of Our Lives. So, like, there's a whole lot of, like, paying homage and remember this and remember this and, like, this is why this character exists and whatnot. But it's to the background of a... I mean, the plot point is Ewan McGregor needs a diamond, but the diamond is almost worthless it just has bank codes in it but he runs gotham like does money really matter anymore at this point he says he's right he says he runs gotham we don't we don't really uh he runs like east gotham apparently sure but like in this sort of universe it matters does having a shit ton of money really matter to like being gotham like and he already has a shit ton of money like he bought yeah. a very shitty army to fight these four women Got their asses kicked. Let me just say that. Speaking of getting their asses kicked, this movie really tries hard to earn that R rating. Yeah. yeah. And it did not need to. I wrote that down on Twitter. I I found like not that I don't I didn't care that it was rated R. I think sometimes it added and like I'm always here for like a rated R superhero movie just because I think it's like it'd be pretty accurate if you were getting your ass kicked that like you'd be bleeding or like, mm-hmm. like adults would say the F word. Like, you know, like it would like, <laughs> that's what I would think like would actually happen if like Batman broke your, you know, like snapped your trachea. Like that's what like, I think would like happen when people would be mad and curse and like bleed and stuff like that. So, but this could have gotten away with a PG 13 rating especially for some of the violence like but like they could have taken out some of the swearing and stuff and just really kept this at pg-13 and i think that may have made it more money if we're being honest like i don't think it's the biggest yeah i don't think it's the biggest detriment but then again it's like if you have such a fringe property like this that's not the joker because the joker the newest joker jocker made a billion (laughs) dollars so like but it's again it's that ip everybody knows that ip so you can make it rated r and i think it was going to make its money anyway with birds of prey you know if it it, because it's rated r maybe that had a little something to do with it but holy crap they go for that r rating man they break she breaks four or five kneecaps backwards in this movie and i she has a whole thing against legs i cringed audibly i was like oh like, yeah, I was not ready for that. When she like mm. just stomped on John Hamm's legs like, in the beginning of the movie, I was like, God damn, it's that kind I of part. I will say, like, sometimes in action films, like, like in a sort of a John Wick universe, I get kind of tired of it because guns are sort of used as this deus ex situation. Like, I need to get out of the situation. Now I have this powered automatic rifle and everybody's dead. All right, moving on to the next scene. Like, sometimes you need a hand-to-hand film and this movie nails it. Like, the way she brutally kills so many people is so refreshing in such a dark way. Yeah, I mean, like, the stuff with the bat and stuff was really cool. I mean, regardless of, like, the whole weird thing where it was like, we're going to put this scene in the rain, like, okay. <laughs> like, I don't they, know. They needed they good shots for the trailer. Yeah, a lot. For Tumblr. <laughs> for Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, the... They needed, they needed GIF sets for Tumblr. This is where this movie is going to live, in GIFs, like, for the rest of time. So, I mean, 
I don't know. What did what did y'all think about what did y'all think about the hard R uh rating? Uh Derek, what do you think about the hard R rating? Uh I mean, I liked that it was rated R. I'm always down for a rated R superhero movie. Uh I don't think I don't really think that it earned the R rating. I was like if you're going to like make it R rated for like violence and shit, like it has to be like gratuitous. I'm like, yeah, I was like super gratuitous seeing her just like absolutely decimate a man's kneecaps. But um, I don't know. It kind of left me wanting more uh, in a sort of like dark sense. I was like, nah, really earn that hard R. Like, I want to see Roman Silas' brains get blown out. Like, I don't know. That's just me. But like, I mean, I also agree that it could have been rated PG-13 and it probably would have made a lot more money because... PG-13 is the comic book movie demographic. Yeah, like, I feel like it would have, I feel like it would have, like, more, like, parents would have brought their kids to the theater or something, you know what I mean? Like, they wouldn't have known what they were getting into, but, like, they could have, they could have gotten away with it. I, at one point in this movie, that's why I say, like, at one point she purposely, make her purposely do cocaine. (laughs) And it's such a Popeye way. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> she has cocaine and then suddenly can kill people at super speed, <laughs> which I guess is what cocaine does. I don't know. We're not getting into that. Yeah, it's just like break all these bags of cocaine. I'm gonna just inhale this real quick and dome somebody to the face with one of the bags. Like it was just like I don't know. Yeah, it was like also, she yeah and get get slammed completely through a car door and like be totally okay. Yeah, I I don't there know. Is a lot how police like lockups work but are they really just keeping a pallet of cocaine around i gotta say go somewhere it's just a loose pallet (laughs) of just a pallet of like of like hundreds of grams of cocaine just saran wrapped together just yeah just sitting there like all right yeah i I was gonna say there was a lot that like took me out of some of the fight scenes like i was watching it and i was like all right the cocaine thing is pretty stupid or like (laughs) Uh, the final fight scene where she's like on roller skates being pushed by this car. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, what are we, what are we really doing? Or just, she's a regular woman for the most part with a baseball bat and beats the shit out of like eight dudes with guns. I was like, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, this is not really working for me. Do but we know? It was cool. Yeah. Do we know Harley Quinn's powers? Like off the top of your she head. Doesn't ha- she doesn't have any. She doesn't have any. No, like she is, like he said, for the most part, a normal woman with a baseball bat and like a hammer, like, and that's it. Like, okay, I don't even think like I don't even think in like the newer comics she gets powers. She is literally just. So the only one literally with powers throughout this, like Huntress is kind of a badass. Like she's a trained assassin. Like Black Canary is the only one with powers. I think so. Yeah, man, that's a shitty superhero team, man. They're not heroes, Royden. Yeah, the, 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 the well, that's the thing that was also with this movie that I didn't actually kind of like because it's like throughout all the and I was looking it up because, like I said, I'm not a huge, you know, Harley Quinn fan or anything. Like, she's played the foil to this group of the, like throughout the comic books. Like, she's teamed up with other super villain teams to fight this team. So them just kind of throwing her in there was sort of just like, all right, we got to still kind of keep trying to make her a good guy in this universe, even though throughout all of the IP, she's always sort of been besides suicide squad, 
mm-hmm. a bad person. <laughs> I think like more so in the comics, like with the new 52 and stuff, she turned into an anti-hero mm. um, where she was like, she was teaming up with like the Gotham city sirens, but also like helping. I think at some point she like helps the justice league or something like she, she flip flops a lot. And it's like, to to that point, it's like it makes sense that she would join them in this sense because it's like she was sort of an anti-hero in Suicide Squad, as they all were, I guess. I don't know. That's a anti-hero is a strong word to use for the Suicide Squad, right? But uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, what do we think about the other characters? Really quick, I, I like I said, I really liked uh, Black Canary. I thought she was I thought she was the most fleshed fleshed out of all of these. Uh, of all these ones maybe, or she had the most to do really, but I just like that actress to begin with. Um, uh, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, I felt it was underwritten and, uh, yeah. Cassandra Kane was a drunk. No, 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 Cassandra- no, not Cassandra Kane. Renee Montoya was a drunk. Uh, and Cassandra Kane was objectively, was, there. was objectively not great. Yeah, she, I agree. She, she was, was she was present. I don't know, Dex. What do we think about all the uh, you know tertiary characters in this tertiary story? Um, Renee Montoya annoyed the shit out of me. Uh, her voice annoyed me. They gave her really corny lines, and they tried to make it like that was part of the bit that she had corny lines, but it just, it just fell flat for me. Um, Black Canary was cool. I was kind of confused because I don't really know anything about Black Canary. I was like, so is her power uh, just singing? Singing really loud? I don't know. Um, but I was compelled. Um, the Huntress, I didn't like. I didn't find her funny. She played it like she was the straight man in a lot of it. And I just, it just didn't work for me. Like almost like a social outcast though, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I just wasn't feeling it. She is what they want. Like she is the Dax, the destroyer or Drax, the destroyer in this scenario of like the socially awkward, like does not get social cues, but like kind of fails to meet that mark. Cause it's like Drax has turned into like this hilarious character. Whereas Huntress is again, just kind of like, Oh, you tried. And like, I appreciate the effort. Well, she didn't have enough to do. That's what I'm saying. Like, they didn't establish her. They, she kind of shows up there at the very end after being this mysterious thing, like, for a while. I mean, they show, like, a training montage and all that, and they show her talking to herself in the mirror, and, like, she can't get the lines down, and yada, yada, yada. And it, But then she shows up at the very end and has to interact with all these people, and she's this, like, crossbow-wielding badass, but then it's just also just, like, she doesn't have enough lines, and then all of a sudden it's like, I'm socially awkward. What? How are we supposed to know that? Yeah. Um, it's a lot of exposition and it's a lot of having the audience do a lot of work to get there. Because, I mean, really the backstory is, is that, you know, we watch her whole family get murdered. She lives. She becomes an assassin. So all through those sort of adolescent years where a normal person is supposed to learn how to interact with people, she's just learning how to kill people with a crossbow. So... Yeah, I guess she wouldn't know how to interact with people, but that's also so much work for an audience member to go like, oh, her character makes sense. Yeah, no, I get that. In the very end, I was sort of like, I mean, that's what they were trying to do. I get, I got it. Yeah. But it was just like, we got to get that established. 
Yeah, we got to get that established a little quicker here. And the fact that, like, you're getting expositions on top of expositions on top of expositions, and then, oh, suddenly here's a twist. She was the girl that survived this massacre. Like, by the point, by the time you learn her true identity, you're almost out of it. You're like, okay, that's fine. I guess we're here. Can we just, like, get to the fight scene now? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know. Uh, I w- Go ahead, Derek. Oh. Yeah, I wanted them to... Uh... So I think like the biggest like quote unquote plot twist for me was uh, Victor Zaz being one of the people that was there like when her parents died and that she's been like hunting him this whole time. And I'm like, why are we just now finding that out with like 20 minutes left in the movie? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I I feel like she should have shown up like, like, you know, casing him out at the club or like when they were going to pick up the dime, like, I feel like she should have been there. Like they should have established that relationship, um, more to make it like more of a, Oh, like why is, you know, why is the crossbow killer showing up everywhere? Victor Zaz is. And then, you know, finding out that he's, you know, one of the direct reasons why her parents are dead and why she is the way that she is. Um, yeah. Or at least they should have had it out. Like they, those two should have had like a fight or something. A like, moment, yeah. Yeah, they, she just walks in and just like domes that guy with like, like yeah. a with an arrow, and there's like, all right, I'm leaving. Like, well, and that whole scene like loses any sort of gravity, which I, gra- I guess this film has no gravity at any point, but it loses the gravity because ultimately Harley Quinn kills him by stabbing him multiple times with the tranquilizer <laughs> dart. And then you get the comedy scene where she gets like the last one unexpected. So any sort of scene where you're supposed to be like, oh, Huntress just got like, she finally completed it. She got her revenge. It's like, no, it doesn't matter. Funny scene. Yeah. I will say yeah. that I will say the limited time that these three or four uh, women had on the screen, like together, I felt like their chemistry was good. Felt like they played well off of each other. Like the whole you know, Canary going like Harley focus like thing. That was like, that was good. Like I felt like, you know, cause we've been just shitting on this movie, but like, I feel like, I feel like that, that was good. I felt like, you know, like again, the ending fight scenes was really, were really sort of, uh, really put to well put together and everything else. Uh, I don't know anything else that y'all have. I have a couple notes here that we can cue on, uh, and then we can go to listener questions. Uh, I just wanted to really quick talk about again about uh, Black Mask and Victor Zaz. I really wish they hadn't have died at the end of this, because I like I really did like them. I was like, yes, they are like they were making a bunch of like really weird choices. Uh, Ewan McGregor was having the time of his life, and you could tell he was just getting to be like crazy and weird. Um, but like, I feel like Black Mask is not a character that people that read Batman or whatever like care a lot about. And I feel like this made me, is, I mean, me especially, but I was just like, I watched this and I was like, oh, I want to know more about Black Mask. Like, I want to know what his deal is. Um, Very little backstory about him for all the exposition that they used yeah. for everything else. Not a lot for, not a lot for our boy Ewan. Yeah. And I feel like they could have, like, utilized him in future, like, future projects, whatever, whatever that might be. If he's just like a, like a, a but I also feel like if they were to put him in like the new Batman movie with uh, old R. Pat, uh, he would stand out like a sore thumb because he is so ex- eccentric and like weird and tonally different from what I feel like that movie is going to be. 
But I mean, I don't know. I just I wish they wouldn't have killed him off so kind of unceremoniously. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, Dex, what do you think about uh, he just they just give him a grade and he blows up. I uh, I thought that was funny. That little scene was like interesting, entertaining. She only had the one bullet left or whatever, and she shot it before she should have. Blah blah blah. Like that was cool. Um, I was compelled. What I wanted to say about Black Mask is that. I was, like, confused the entire time. Like, he wasn't... I wouldn't call him intimidating, but he was just, like, kind of unnerving. Uh, like, that scene in the club where he makes the random laughing lady stand up and, like, I, rip her dress off and all that shit. I was like, what, what the fuck is happening? Why I was am I gonna here? Say, I was going to say that that was, like, that made me, like, physically uncomfortable watching just how intense he was and just... And then, like, Victor Zaz in the background being a skis. Yeah, um, I have no issues with that scene necessarily, like in, in terms of like topic within the film. But what I don't like about it is it feels very unmotivated. Because I mean, like we're we're told the to black mask, and we're shown that like Ewan McGregor is just running with this, and he's having the time of his life, and he's playing. He's not Joker crazy, but he's kind of like reaching those levels of not having not being in touch with reality, but more of a wealthier sort of way. But like the craziest we see him get before that is that he's going to let that girl that's hanging upside down who just watched her parents get defaced live. And then she has a snot bubble and he's like, oh no, I changed my mind, deface her. But he does it with a smile and then he walks away. And then suddenly we now get a moment where he's super angry, which we've never seen him be angry before doing something that's mildly disturbing it's weirdly unmotivated and it's weirdly just like, oh, we need to give him something. We need to show you he's evil. Boy, yeah, man. and like, I, uh, it's what, it goes back to the thing you said about like the viewer having to do a lot of work. Like, they kind of casually mentioned like he got fired from his dad's company or whatever, and you know he's not living up to the Sionist name. So we have to fill in every blank that goes from, you know, you'll never be your father to this woman is laughing at something in your club, which I assume you want because it's a club. You want people to be having a good time. So you're going to make her stand up and embarrass herself in front of everyone in your club and make them never want to come back to your club again. No nah, dog. Yeah. It's the place to be. They got drugs in like, uh, <laughs> in boxes that they're just giving away to people. You didn't see that. <laughs> just wrapped up like a Christmas present. I mean, we, well, a guy had his let his knees pushed backwards and Ugh. people were still partying. So it, everything continued as normal. As one like, does, this painted tattooed lady is in here breaking boys off. And, uh, <laughs> and we're just like, uh, anybody want another drink? <laughs> yeah. I feel like, that's not the weird, I feel like that's not the weirdest thing they saw that night. No, definitely. Uh, one thing that we did not touch on, we just kind of glanced over, uh, the face cutting off thing? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, that was intense. Speaking of a hard R rating, like Derek, you were saying there was violence. Like, they actually yeah, showed like, that motherfucker. More of his... that. Woo! I want also, to see more face cutting off. Medically possible? I don't know, but it's exciting. Like, it's it's not <laughs> something that you... I mean, that's something that's reserved for a horror film, and here we're putting it in a campy, cart, uh, campy um, superhero film. Like, all right, yeah, let's do it. Let's let's do something crazy like that. Man, I cringe. Yeah, because in like I I hate to be the the comic book guy, but it's like in the comics, like Victor Zaz is like a 
insane like religious zealot serial killer and it's like he like he's like covered in tally marks from everyone that he's uh he's ever killed and so it's like him cutting off the faces i'm like oh yeah that fits perfectly into this into his character but that like but then like there are just other parts where i was like no let's see more of that like i want like really live up to him being like a psychopath right um that actually answers a question that i had because when we have harley quinn tied up in the club and victor saz undoes his shirt and points to his heart and he's like i saved the spot for you if you don't know the character if you don't know any of the backstory that's just a weird dumb scene yeah, yeah. It's a, i knew that from one of the arkham games i think it was asylum like victor saz yeah. is a boss yeah, in he, it and uh he talks he about showed, that. He, yeah, he showed up in a couple of the Arkham games. Uh, and I think he makes a mention uh, very briefly. Uh, you see all these marks on my face? He's like, these are all the birds that I've set free or whatever. Um, you want to know how I'm I like, got these okay, scars? Well, yeah. <laughs> that was you want to know how I got these scars moment, but dumber. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Killmonger thing, just less cool looking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've seen this already, man. But yeah, uh, I just want to say about the face cutting thing. That made me think of this like old Christian Bale Tay Diggs movie called Equilibrium, oh, where Christian yeah. Bale cuts off Tay Diggs's face, and I was thinking about that the entire time. <laughs> I fucking hate that movie, but you know, you know what it reminded me of? Oh, face off. Ah. Uh. Uh, but I'm I'm, ha- I'm hanging out. I'm I'm, I'm not <laughs> abiding in this anymore. Stand up <laughs> comedy special coming on Netflix. Never. Pete um, Davidson can have one. You can. Oh my oh. god! What a cringe thing that was. <laughs> Holy god, shit! And not even a good preview. Um, to tie it back into Netflix and like, to steal one of my favorite things from another podcast through Watchables. This film would make so much more sense if it was a 10-arc series on Netflix. I agree. But they tried the Birds of Prey series. Um, uh, granted, it was very campy and bad. Um, unlike oh, the yeah, CW, like in the early 2000s, uh, sans Harley Quinn, because, she, again, she wasn't a super popular character then. But, like, uh, yeah, they tried it, and it got, like, a 10-episode run, and people were like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> Um, and I don't even know if this would survive uh, into a second season, but kind of my final thoughts is two things. One, this is a superhero film that, that really tried to be campy, but also had an identity crisis. It was like, no, I also need to be gory and or not gory, but like super action packed and super R rated. So it, it failed at this balancing act of trying to be a fun like upbeat but almost grotesque look at superhero and comic book films and the other is it tried to tell you so much but it ran out of time and it just stuffed it in there um and that's why i think it would work as a series because then we could have episode one harley and joker breaks up she blows the acme factory and then we the acme factory or acne or whatever it is um making bricks and, then, and things like, for the coyote to shoot a roadrunner <laughs> And then like that episode can close with Mendoza entering the scene. And then we go to season two or episode two and we get introduced Mendoza. Like if you were to spend up like 
one full 30 minute just explanation like this is who Huntress is or this is who Mendoza is because again the audience has to do so much work for characters that unless you are a fan of the comics or unless you're a fan of the games or just anything in the DC you have to do so much work that takes you out of the film that if you just like sat there for one TV show going like this is who this is this is who this is this is who this is and we finally got through fight scenes and things like it would be such a good story. I agree. I think you can kind of do that to wrap things up um, about birds of prey. I just had a couple of notes that it wanted to be self-aware. It even had a couple of fourth wall breaking moments like Deadpool. And then it just never, it didn't do it enough. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to have her do that, like just go ahead and just commit to it. It didn't do that enough. Um, I wrote down here. My notes are hilarious. It just says cocaine is one of my notes. Um, (laughs) Uh, oh, this is my grocery list. Like yeah, grocery. cocaine. Gotta go get that. Um, she was like a Jack Sparrow. She took a lot of like cues from like Jack Sparrow to me. I don't know why I wrote that down, but I felt like I needed to. Um, I just have run it. Superheroes running around in the daytime is funny. True. It's just a funny like thing. It's just like, oh, this yeah. is how they operate. Like, <laughs> yeah, she was running around in like high waisted shorts and then like a top made out of caution tape and everyone's like eh, whatever normal day she broke into a police station and shot all of them and she's just like in the streets chilling now yeah normal yeah. day um another thing i said i, I want to eat that egg sandwich yes dude i've made two egg sandwiches this week just because of this film <laughs> hey the marketing is where that's going to be a binging with yeah. babish episode um never since <laughs> chef have i ever seen a movie been like i need to make that Exactly. Right now. Yeah, very like vi- visual ASMR. <laughs> For real. And then um, <laughs> I said, uh, finally, I said they're gonna sell that Harley Quinn T-shirt in uh, Forever Twenty One. Oh, yeah. I had that thought with my brother. We were like, "This is a very hot topic movie." They, they, there has never been a better hot topic film <laughs> or a Spencer's gifts. Golden jumper roller skating suit oh, is yeah. probably about to hit shelves. I, I just mean Halloween, the one. Halloween is going to be insufferable this year. Oh, man, yeah, I mean it. It. I mean the one that just says Harley Quinn on it or Quinn all over it in like black letters. Like that's going to oh, be. Yeah. That's going to be on like, you know, Forever Twenty One shelves tomorrow. Um, that's all I, I got. One thing to add to your list that we don't need to discuss about it, but I thought was dumb. The hyena pet oh. chases like the oh. bomb, gets blown up, and at the end it's like, oh no, he's fine. Yeah. Why does he even exist then? Why introduce him at all? Okay. Utilize your of- hyena. Go ahead, Dex. What why did we need that whole story about Doc and the number fifty two or whatever the fuck? Like <laughs> she he betrays her and she's just like, I mean, I guess that's fine. Get your money. Like are you not mad? Yeah. <laughs> Are you, you don't want to kill this man? Are you just like, okay, cool. You you want them to blow me up. It's fine. But there's also no, like, repercussion of that entire scene. Like, we, we meet Doc. Doc betrays her. Doc gets to open up another restaurant. We're not, like, on a revenge path to kill Doc. We never see him again. She loses nothing because there's nothing in that apartment. I mean, we thought, I forgot what the hyena's name is, but he ends up living, like, that Bruce. whole scene was completely useless. Bruce. Bruce. 
Yeah. I, I audibly went like, I went like, oh man. When like when that thing <laughs> chased after, I was like, oh no. <laughs> like, even though it's a hyena, I was just kind of like, oh man, they just like they just demolished that dog out of nowhere. Like, but it was a hyena. Like just demolished that hyena out of nowhere, and it comes back. So I was like, okay, I guess this is fine. <laughs> okay, my Jay, final thought. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts. One thing that we didn't talk about that I wanted to just briefly mention. Uh, the music is actually really great. the The original soundtrack to this is banger after banger after banger. Very true. Um, sure. But like, I think it suffered a little bit from what Suicide Squad did. Not as bad. Where it was like every scene was like a new needle drop. Where it was like it had like this movie was inundated with music. And I'm like, I, I was like just a, a a small like quiet subtle scene, please. And not like have to hear Normani and Megan the Stallion uh, tearing it up in every scene. Mm. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, finally, my final question about this, and we'll answer um, listener questions. If they want to include Harley Quinn in this, and I know that they're rebooting Suicide Squad again, uh, albeit with our, you know, with a, our good boy James Gunn, uh, the I know that may be problematic right now, but like he <laughs> he got hired again. Um, the what tone are they going to go with this universe? Because they've had a tonal shift from the weird color palettes of Zack Snyder with the weird CGI that is in all of his films that I hate um, to turning it around and making it more colorful and people actually wanting to enjoy these films and having fun with it to, it looks like the, from what has been shown today from our good boy, Robert Pattinson, uh, the, most the strongest jaw in the West. Uh, the Batman could carve a Christmas turkey. <laughs> exactly. The Batman <laughs> suit look. And it looks like it's going to be another like gritty Nolan is Nolan esque Batman film. So what direction are they going here? Are they going to try to join these up? Like what do y'all think, Dex? I'd like to hear your point first. What do y'all think that they're going to end up doing with this whole? mess that is like the the continuity of the DCEU or are they just going to say like the Batman is separate from all of this I think they have to blow it up at this point I mean you lost your original Batman you lost your Superman uh, you know Justice League flopped and was not good you don't really have any connection established between um, Suicide Squad and Batman or between the the prey and the suicide squad at this point i think you're just gonna have to blow it up and make the batman a separate thing and then maybe spin it off from there um maybe you could introduce margot robbie's um harley quinn into the batman's universe sounds like they're gonna have a pretty busy um kind of roster for that movie already but, but like in a sequel or something you could probably do margot robbie's harley quinn i think she has become that character at this point kind of like Hugh Jackman became Wolverine even when the continuities switched. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, the DCEU was bad. It was always bad. They tried to play catch up with Marvel and they failed. They need to just stop and do something else. Derek, I, like, because you are a big fan of like the comics and things like that. And like, and you, you followed all of these movies. Like, what do you think that they, they do here? Because it feels like, uh, and I know we're going long on the Harley Quinn conversation, but it feels like that Harley Quinn's just a completely different character for like just out of time from like where they were. And it feels like even Wonder Woman's like kind of out of time because she still has like that Zack Snyder almost like 
color palette and everything else. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Where mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, just if everything looks different, whereas like Marvel movies, the only thing that ever really looked different was like Thor Ragnarok. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, tonally, this universe is a mess. Um, because of like the grittiness of Man of Steel, of Batman v Superman, of Justice League, and then kind of the hard left turn into like Wonder Woman wasn't like a stroll in the park, but it also wasn't like Batman v Superman where it was like gritty, like Jesse Eisenberg eating a Jolly Rancher in your face, like intense. <laughs> but like, um, and then I like. I think what they've wanted to do with Suicide Squad is essentially make it DC's Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, like, you know, take a bunch of characters that, you know, no one's ever really heard of sans Harley Quinn um, and make people care about them and then make it fun and light and, you know, whatever. I just, I, I think I'm with Dex on this one. I think you just need to blow it up. I think you just need to, like, kind of throw the whole thing away, start from scratch. And I think that's what they're trying to do. And I don't want to, like... I mean, you can judge a book by its cover with the new RPAT Batman movie. Like, because, I mean, I saw it and I was just like, oh, yeah, we're we're back to... Batman has a voice that sounds like he's been eating gravel since he was six. Um, but, like, I don't know. Like... I think they need to make more movies that just kind of stand alone on their own and then introduce those into a like sort of mainline continuity. Like they can have a bunch of spinoff movies and kind of like pepper in like reference it, like have a flagship franchise and then like, just take their time. I'm like, they are trying to play catch up so bad and it's just, it's fallen flat on its face. Jake, as far as like the, you know, and with you, we'll wrap this up and then go into listener questions. As far as the like color palette, you know, with that and stuff where you, I feel like you kind of specialize in it's like camera work and things like that. Is there anything that they can do to make it feel like these characters fit or do they just like fit together or do they just have to be like, you know what, let's just throw them in there. Like Dex was saying. And like, since she's already Harley Quinn, since she's already Wonder Woman, you know, since I'm assuming like, they should probably bring back Cavill as Superman. I thought he was a good Superman regardless, but like, is there, do they have to like make all of these movies start to like look similar or do they just make them all separately and say, these are these characters. Now we're putting them in a movie. Uh, no, not necessarily. Um, I, we're using it as a touchstone cause Faggy nailed it. But if you look at the color palettes of, like the Iron Mans and Avengers, or or not really the Avengers, but Captain um, America, and they compare it to Guardians of the Galaxy, they're wildly different. Um, The colors and the camera work of uh, Iron Man and really even the Hulk and the first Avenger and Captain America and Thor, they're very methodical. It's very muted tones. It's very, we're going to only make the reds pop and things like that, whereas... Guardians, we're in space and everything is different and it's colorful and we're seeing aliens and we're seeing a lot of different greens and the camera is more fluid and kind of matches the weightlessness of space and things like that. Um, we They combined it really well. Um, the main issue that's going to, the 
DCU is going to face is that they went in two complete spectrums. Because I think what they're going to try to do with the RPAT Batman is that they're going to try to combine what they know works, which was the Nolan Batmans and the animated series Batman. So we're going to try to make it gritty. We're going to try to make it more realistic. We're going to try to make it um, grounded. But we're also going to put it in this wacky, zany comic book universe. And so when we start melding these characters back together, it's going to be a hodgepodge of nonsense. Because <laughs> you're going to have these, like, you're going to have our pads gravelly, like, I've seen shit, thousand yard stare. And then you're going to run into Harley Quinn with a hammer that's straight out of, like, oh, a uh, whack a mole game. And it's not going to work. Harley, uh, birds of prey and the hodgepodge of nonsense. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Harry Potter and the hodgepodge of nonsense. Because <laughs> um, the thing that works with the MCU, like if we were to look at Guardians or even Doctor Strange, is that while they had these colorful palettes and like these sort of lighter tones, they were also matched with more real and grounded tones. Like we still got a lot of Chris Pratt being. Um, emo in a sense and emo star lord and so like it was easy to meld those back in together when we finally got to Endgame and an infinity war it's not going to happen dceu it's just going to be gross yeah that's kind of where i'm at with it right now I, I think i think that they have to i think you have to keep gal gadot um i think you have to keep uh i think you should keep try to keep margot robbie around uh, i think definitely i think this robert pattinson thing i think you have marketable stars obviously mm-hmm. jason momoa that movie made a billion dollars like you know what i mean so i I'll, I'll just be interested to see where it ends up going um and that has been <laughs> our long conversation on harley quinn sorry birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn or no you had it right the first time <laughs> Har- <laughs> or harley quinn and the birds of prey Whichever one, it doesn't matter. Go see the movie. I think you'll enjoy it. It it does. It deserves to make more money than it's making. I'll end with that. All right. Finish with listener questions, like we have tried to do every single uh, every single week, outside of the first week. But Dex, hit us up. All right. So we already kind of talked about the Oscars, uh, and we kind of gave our thoughts on Parasite already as well. Shout out to Cat for both of those questions. Um, Janelia asks for our thoughts on Jojo Rabbit. Royden, we know you haven't seen it. I will, Derek, have you seen Jojo Rabbit? Yeah, I will refrain. Go ahead, Derek. Uh, I will also refrain. Uh, it's on my list of things to watch, uh, but I have not yet seen it. Oh, no. Yay. Oh, damn. It's me and you, Dex. <laughs> What's here, Jake? Uh, is it just general thoughts on it? General thoughts. Love it? Hate it? What would you rate it? I absolutely love it. I mean... Aside from, like, off the top of my head, um, oh, shit, I can't even think what the, the name of the movie is. We don't really get a whole lot of war stories that's told from a child's point of view. Uh, Boy in the Striped Pajamas, go cry. Thank you. Thank you. It was killing me. Um, yeah, we don't get war films told from a child's point of view. And for Taika to tell, like, a really, really heavy and dark subject matter through such a lighthearted way, but have the undertones just be so heavy and dark is really cool. Like, I think that was a genius way of telling the story. Yeah. I love that movie. 
Um, I know a lot of people are like, oh, the Holocaust isn't funny, blah, blah, blah. And like, you're right, obviously. It sounds bad of me to say. but uh, Confirm not movie, funny. We're going to take that stance. Yeah, the Holocaust is definitely not funny for sure. But I think the movie strikes a really great balance between, you know, kind of making this obviously shitty, you know, time in history, like kind of humorous, but also being very grounded. Uh, and you know it doesn't it doesn't ever let you forget that this is the holocaust and like millions of people died um i it's one of those movies i laughed i cried um i was very invested throughout i thought all the performances were great i was glad to see scar joe get nominated for her work here uh i thought sam rockwell like was putting on a clinic sam rockwell was incredible every time he was on the screen i was surprised to not see him get any kind of awards recognition really uh, but yeah, I'd definitely say go see Jojo Rabbit if you haven't already. It's a great movie in my opinion. Incredible film. It's still in theaters in some places. I know it's here in Waco. Um, it's uh, only got one showing, but I'm sure, that, I'm sure just to make a little... Disney will uh, re-release it because that's uh, technically a Disney property, folks. Um, yeah, so... Is Jojo Rabbit a Disney princess? Thoughts. <laughs> Yes. Is Hitler in Disney canon? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because Disney made his star making anti-war films. Yeah, exactly. One of the weirdest things is just randomly that I know that's on YouTube. Go look it up. It's a Disney and Picasso melding. Like They got together and they were making an anti-war film, but Picasso was behind it, and they never finished it um, or released it, but it was supposed to be this anti-war theme. It is an acid trip it is weird so it's but it, just know that go look it up it's on it's disney and picasso I, I, don't ask me how i found that but it's it's so crazy i can't wait to see jojo rabbit show up in the next kingdom hearts game it's gonna be great <laughs> that's funny hitler gives right, you a side quest last reader comes from como she wants to know our thoughts on Parasite. We already kind of got into that, but, you know, just overall, uh, you know, what are your your thoughts on Parasite? Why do you love it as much as we all seem to love it? Derek, go ahead. Um, I think, because uh, I, I saw this on Twitter, I can't, I don't remember who tweeted it, um, but as much as I stand Joker, this, uh, which is a very risky thing to say as a straight white male. Um, but, uh, How dare you. I, yeah. Uh, this parasite is trying to tell the story that Joker was, and it tells it a lot better with like the whole like kind of class warfare thing. And like, just how, uh, like how the poor are treated by the rich. And even though the rich might like seem welcoming and like friendly, in the end, at the end of the day, it's like they are still rich and they're still going to look down on you. And if you're poor, I don't know. I just I thought that it was a it's a very uh, important story for our time. Uh, that's why I was really excited that it won the Oscar because I felt like it had uh, the biggest thing to say out of all of the Best Picture nominees. You know, maybe like up there with Jojo Rabbit and with the ever important message of Nazis are bad. Um. But I don't know. I like, I mean, yeah, confirmed that is the hill we're willing to die on. Um, but I don't know. I, I like, 
I, I can't really stop singing this movie's praises and I, everyone needs to go see it without knowing anything about it. Like as much as everyone keeps saying like, you need to go into this movie completely blind. Like I absolutely do think you need to go into this movie completely blind and you will come out uh, a better person for it. Jake, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I completely agree. And I think it's what everybody else is saying. Like it is very, it's a very important story right now. And I, I mean, it's been an important story for almost all of human history is, is, the the class structures that we all go through and the idealization of what the top looks like and the struggle to get there even if it is hollow and and everything else um but also it's just big because it's a foreign film that it's getting the praise all over the world and it's it's really opening up it's i mean it's leading the way for other filmmakers that have been trying to tell similar tales and similar worldviews we're finally like opening the doors. We're finally getting to do it. Um, so it, it's also huge just to be that forerunner. Um, but as for the actual film itself, I mean, I agree. Everything about it is incredible. Like I said earlier, I think it is a film that we're going to be digging the depths of for years. I guarantee in 10 years time, somebody on Twitter should be like, Hey guys, I just watched parasite. And I just noticed like this tiny little line tells the whole film like it's we're going to be talking about it forever because it's that important i feel like there's some things that bong joon ho probably put in there that like he just thought looked cool or something and people are going to now overanalyze it for the rest of time and he's oh, yeah. just going to have to come out and be like no like what i thought it was you know <laughs> like what's the main like writers or uh PhD students are like the reason he wore a blue shirt is because it represents his innocence. And then like the take is like the author's like, no, I just like the color blue. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, right. I, I, okay. So I feel like as far as entertainment value goes, you will get entertainment value out of this film. I feel like Bong Joon Ho has made more entertaining movies. Snowpiercer being the most accessible and Americanized one of those. Uh, which I found incredible. And it's my first introduction into Bong Joon-ho. Um, like Derek was saying, this movie has something to say. And it has a message. It, it, it has a message about inequality. It has a uh, message about upward mobility. It has a message about climate change, um, which most of his most of his films actually uh, do. <laughs> Snowpiercer pretty much on the nose about that. But, you know, this a, a catastrophic flood in this movie and, and everything else. And I feel like I feel like when we look at it, it was a film that was really trying to say something. And it also wanted, you know, and from the from the rich people's perspective in the film, it was also saying, like, look, like we worked hard, like we deserve, you know, we deserve to be here. So it was a, it was a film that towed the lines with ambiguity of who is right and who is wrong in this story um, because is it right for, you know, a, a, a family to try to better themselves even at the cost of another family or, you know, uh, or is it, you know, is it right for people to hoard this wealth and so, so on and so forth. And it has those messages. And then mixed in there is a, as a, is a mystery that, we don't solve until like the final act. And then it just like explodes onto the scene. 
in this in this final in the, you know in this final act and it's so well shot so well written and the one thing that american audiences have to get over is reading the subtitles that's it yeah and if you can't do that then buddy you're missing out on a bunch of stuff and that would have been my hot take was a lot of people there was a lot of people giving praises about this movie on twitter this is my one take hot take a lot of people giving praises about this movie on Twitter. And it was mostly overwhelming praise for the film and for Bong Joon-ho and, and, and seeing him react the way he did and, and being as excited as he was and all the producers, you know, thanking and realizing the history and the weight of what that film meant to filmmakers across the world because there's whole other industries rather than just Hollywood. But there is a group of people, and there will always be these people, not American, shouldn't count, didn't see it. This is ruining the film industry. This is why the Oscars fail. Shut up. Please shut up. Please go and shut up. Log Did off. you see that? Did you see that video of the guy screaming about Parasite <laughs> winning the Oscars? Yeah, a guy in our, Connor in our group chat said that was my burner account. <laughs> yeah so i mean like you know and he's talking about the joker and that's the whole incel thing and it was just sort of like sort of like you know well it's not even american well it's like it's it, whoever came up with it it has to be an american it's an industry award you know what i mean like it's an end and you should give the awards to the best in the industry and parasite was that now did i find other films kind of more entertaining yes but I feel like Parasite had the most to say and use the craft because filmmaking is a craft, not to get too preachy, but like to the <laughs> that film, filmmaking is a craft and you should respect it as an art. But you really you really should because it's impossible to make a movie and it feels impossible to make a movie this good. So the fact that they did this on a limited budget in South Korea and got it to where it's so popular that it's winning Academy Awards in America I think that speaks for itself. Sorry, that's my rant. I know I threw a one-take hot take in there. Sorry. No, we love to see it. Um, My thoughts on the movie are that it's fucking amazing for all the reasons that everybody else has just said. You know, the message is strong and, you know, very timely. Um, It's really well shot. But beyond that, it's just a wild fucking ride. Like, I got out of the theater. Very true. Holy shit, man. What just happened? Um, it's one of those movies I went to work the next day and I told my friends, Hey, I saw, I finally saw Parasite and they were like freaking out because they knew that I had just experienced some wild shit, told more people to go see it. They told me they saw it. I was like, fuck yeah, that shit was wild. Wasn't it? It's one of those movies. Um, and it's just really entertaining even beyond being timely, um, having a strong message, all of that. It's a fucking wild ride. That you will not see coming. And so uh, I give it an A+. plus. One of the best movies I saw last year. Probably not my favorite, um, but one of the best and definitely deserved to win Best Picture. So that's all we have for questions this week. You ever want to have a good discussion about Parasite or like if somebody's like hating on it, sit them down and be like, hey, tell me who the villain of the film is. Yep. 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 Who is really the villain? Like, who sucks in this film? Because everybody does, but everybody also doesn't. It forms a good conversation. The little, the little kid is the uh, is the villain of this movie. 
wrong. Peaches. Peaches are the villain of the film. Yeah, yeah. If you ever, if you ever have like a man, you can't go outside if you have like a reaction that bad to like food. Holy crap! That was nuts. Um, yeah, that's all we got, Derek. Uh, we're wrapping up here. We're actually going on another two-hour podcast. Sorry to, sorry we had to do it to him. Uh, sorry to this man. Yeah. Sorry to this audience. We do not know who this man is. Um, <laughs> Derek, tell the folks where they can find what you, what you do and uh, what you're working on with your friends and uh, just hit them with it. Yeah. Uh, so you can uh, subscribe to Stir the Plot on iTunes and follow us on Spotify. I think we're on every like major podcast platform. Uh, it's funny because we get emails from Stitcher uh, telling us, hey, no one's listening to your podcast on Stitcher. Um, which Gee, is a really thanks. fun. Yeah, it's a fun, edifying uh, sort of email to get. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at uh, a handle. I think it's just uh, stir the plot. Yep, you can follow us on Instagram at stir the plot. Uh, you can follow me personally on uh, literally every single social media platform at Derek Fultz, D-E-R-E-K-F-U-L-T-S. It's on everything. I'm building a brand. Um, also, if you if you live in the Houston area, you can come see me at Comedy Sports Houston do improv because that's fun. If you want a good laugh, go watch the people and Derek. Yeah. And Derek. Um all right, so that's that's pretty much it for us. You can find us at one take pod, the letter, the letter, the number one take pod on Twitter. I don't know how to talk. Uh, you can follow us on one take pod.simplecast.com. Send us an email at one take podcastshow.com. And you can download, rate, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google all of your listening platforms or you can just listen online listen online but if you do listen on uh apple or spotify first of all subscribe on spotify but if you do listen on apple please 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 rate review you can roast us in the comments we don't care but leave a five-star review tell us our voices suck roast Derek. he's not funny say whatever you want um Oh yes, At- annihilate me in the review section of this podcast. Of this podcast alone, not on yours. Yes, nice things only. I, I will be watching this space. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Derek's so kind; he's already left us a five star review. So, I think you should do it as well. Um, yeah, you can follow all of those, please and thanks. And that's all I got to say. Dex, hit him with it. Hashtag support Florence Pugh. You heard it here. First and last. Shout out to our Justice girl. Justice for Midsummer. Justice for Midsummer. All right. Peace. I know how to work a gun. I don't need a range. And I can take a hit. I ain't scared of the pain. And I don't really bang, but I came with the gang. And if you get too close, I may snatch off your chain. Oh, you want me to be a little more ladylike? Mm, come through with my girls and beat your ass on ladies' night. Hey, you don't want to go toe to toe with my pedicure. So that me I will never ever fuck with you again and I ain't never need him so it's so